revival. So I hope you're ready. I hope you didn't come to church to hear about something boring. Okay, we have 24 minutes. So let's do this thing. Thank you, Dennis. Listen, uh, so it's a good day. Hey, mm-hmm. Yep, you know what I'm talking about. The Buffalo Bills. One of my favorite YouTube videos. The guy, it's from like the 90s, and he's like, mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills are undefeated. Mm-hmm. And we go into the Super Bowl. And I watched that through the years. We were like eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. Seven and nine, yeah. And yesterday's game, honestly, I was texting some friends and I was like, I don't have the emotional energy for this man. Can we go back to eight and eight? Because this is too much for me. I got to preach tomorrow. This is just, I need, that, I need that poverty Bills mentality back, you know. I, just, I don't know how to live in the greatness of Buffalo Bills football, you know what I'm saying? So, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite parts about the game yesterday was that Coach McDermott, after they won, he, he pointed to the sky, you know, and uh, there's a lot of strong believers on that team and uh, in the coaching room, and um, they actually, in his post-game speech, you know, he says, humble and hungry, and they put their hands in, and you, you literally heard someone say, God is good, and then someone else goes, God is great, and I'm like, dang, if they're doing that in their huddle, you know, that's, that's pretty wild, so... Let's keep praying for the Bills. Let's keep praying for everyone to get saved on the Bills, everyone in the stadium to get saved, and a couple wins would be nice too. All right. <clears throat> so I feel like this is cheating because I'm going to use a Bills analogy. Who's not going to be pumped up about the sermon today if I use a Bills analogy? But here it is. I got some names for you. Deion Dawkins, Ike Betger, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams. Who are they? Yes, sir. The offensive line of the Buffalo Bills, one of the best in the league. And what do they do? What, what do they have in common? They protect the quarterback, our miracle man himself, Mr. Josh Allen, on his rookie contract still, tearing it up. And uh, Josh is the miracle maker, right? So they, their job is to create space for Josh to move in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? He needs that space to kind of move around. If he doesn't have space, he can't do what he does. But when he gets the space, he can make the magic happen. Well, the scripture we're going to talk about this morning uh, has a guy named Peter who's coming in and basically doing what the Bills offensive line does. He's throwing his weight around a little bit to make space for a miracle, to make space for something that God wants to do. So if you have a Bible, You can turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 43. I'm using the NIV. And the title of my message this morning is, We Are the Widows. We Are the Widows. And we're going to read about a couple couple parties that kind of come clashing together uh, in this scripture. And one of those parties is the widows. And we see that they just get a little caught up in the ritual of life, just doing what they know how to do, just doing what they think is best. And Peter comes in to the equation, and he just blows everything up. He explodes the faith of the widows, and he explodes our faith too. So Acts 9.36, David, do you have that uh, on the screen? I'm actually going to read it off the screen. Thank you, sir. 
In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Tabitha meant gazelle. So Tabitha was a woman of God. She was a disciple. She was someone that spent all of her time just doing good things, running around. When you think of a gazelle, what do you think of? You think of someone who's swift and kind and gentle and, and, uh, and, 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 and in motion, right, all the time. Tabitha was always in motion. It says she was always doing good and helping the poor. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if it ended there? About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed this is an important word which we're going to talk about later, and placed in an upstairs room. Now, this was the custom of the day. When someone would die, they would wash the body and and place it upstairs for burial. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just what they knew how to do. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, now Peter enters the scene. Peter, in this story, he represents revival. Because Peter is the leader of the fastest growing church in the world. He's, he's literally a part in the midst of, of the greatest revival the church has ever seen. After Jesus dies and is raised again, he comes back and he commissions the disciples and it blows up. So Peter represents revival. He literally comes from, from Lydda, where he's literally healing people, where he's walking around and his cloak is healing people. It's dynamic revival that Peter represents. So they sent two men to him and urged him at once. We don't know what to do. Please come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows, now we see the widows emerging on the scene. All the widows, they represent the ritual of the day. That's who I'm saying that we can become like. They don't know what to do, so they just do what they think is best. It says all the widows stood around him crying. There's a lot of pain here. They just lost their friend. And showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still alive with them. They're, they're just remembering the good things that she had done. This gazelle who had been always in motion. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. This is very, this is, I guess this is what I'm talking about when I say he cleared space. He literally sends them out of the room. And I'm like, that's pretty harsh. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just, they're, they're good people. They're just trying to do what they think is best. But he has to send them out of the room. We'll see why in a minute. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. I believe the Lord this morning wants to speak a word to you. And that is, Tabitha, get up. It's time to get up. In the midst of this global pandemic, this sickness, everything that's going on, horrible things around us, political turmoil, uncertainty, financial uncertainty, pain, and that's just stuff that's happening in the world, let alone what's happening in our families, let alone what we normally would have to deal with when coming to church in a year that's not 2020 or 2021. And I believe the Lord this morning is coming to our church and saying, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to reclaim revival. It's time to restore our belief in what God wants to do in our lives. See, God is still in the business of revival. He's still in the business of making dead things come to life. 
He is still in the business of prophesying to your family, to your life, to your job, to your situation, to our nation, to our church, and saying, I will make new things out of nothing. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will split the sea so that you can walk right through it. Amen? God is still on the throne, and he is still in the business of revival. Sometimes it looks different than what we think it looks like. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand, and he helped her to her feet. He restored the motion of her life. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows. I love this because Peter is literally like proving a point to them. He's like, hey, widows. He's like, everyone come over here, especially the widows. Because he wanted to show them and he wanted to show us that he is the God of revival. And the widows and us, we can sometimes be limited in our thinking. We can let the ritual of the day, our day-to-day, Facebook, Twitter, come to church, do a prayer thing, go to work, make money. We can let it all get in the way of revival in our lives. See, we were made for more. There's nothing that can stand in the way of revival. We can only choose to replace revival with other things in our lives. And I believe the Lord this morning wants to speak to your soul and say, my son, my daughter, please, please, I've made you for more. My heart is for you. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I am close. I am with you. I am near. Please get up today. Please take my hand, stand on your feet, and claim the revival that God wants to do in your life. He is the God of miracles, and he's creating space for the miracles in our life. We're trying so hard, we don't know what else to do. We feel hopeless. We may be doing the right things. We may have the right values, but we're still missing out on the dreams God has for us. And then sometimes to make it worse, God puts us on the sideline. Just like the widows, he sends them out of the room. And they're like, man, as if it couldn't get any worse, I'm out of the room. I don't even get to be a part of what God is doing. But God wants you to know that your dreams are alive today. He wants to bring you back to the space of miracles and revival this morning. No matter what it feels like. He is the God of revival. When he shows up, anything can happen. Amen? If you called, he answered. Just like they called Peter and he came running. If you called, he answered. So... He calls them back. He's like, hey, widows, come on back into the room. Because I want to I prove to you that God is the God of revival. But I also want to teach you an important lesson about making space for revival. Making space for miracles. So that's where we're going to focus the rest of our time. See, there's two forces that are kind of competing for Tabitha. She, she dies and she's raised to life. And these two forces are the force of ritual and the force of revival. And both of these forces are fighting for our lives too. Could we be like the widows? Are we letting ritual get in the way of revival? So why did they get sent out of the room? And why does God sometimes do that with us? I'll tell you why. There's two V's. Vision and vulnerability. So ritual 
is not necessarily a bad thing. But if it robs us of our vision, it can be a bad thing. Because they couldn't see resurrection, they were okay with the clothing and the crying. You get what I'm saying? Because they couldn't see what God wanted to do, they were okay with her good deeds. They thought, this is fine. This is enough for me. In verse 39, it says, All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. See, they were holding on to what they thought was uh, being a disciple, was the Christian life. And God had a totally different vision for them to understand and for Tabitha to experience, to be literally a walking miracle. See, if Peter doesn't come, it's clothing, not souls. Verse 42 says, This became known all over Joppa, all over the whole city, and many people believed in the Lord. If Peter doesn't come, we're talking about clothing. We're talking about a good life. We're not talking about revival of souls. We're talking about a small group of women, and we're not talking about a whole city. That's what happens when the resurrection power of Jesus Christ comes. He totally explodes our paradigm for what he wants to do in our lives. How many people on earth have been raised from the dead? I don't even know. I was going to look it up, and I was like, we don't even have to know. How many? Not many. If you saw someone that was raised from the dead, you'd be like, yo, stay away from me. Like, you might get, I might get something on me. You know what I'm saying? There's some magic going on here. Well, let me tell you this. Guess what? You've been raised from the dead. Amen? You were dead. I was dead. We were dead. And now we're alive. Hallelujah. We are literally walking miracles. We are walking miracles. And we we promote transformation wherever we go, wherever we step. The environment changes around us. Wherever we are, his presence is. And we don't have to settle for good deeds and making clothes anymore. Not that those are bad things. But we are going after the more. We're going after souls. We're going after miracles. We're going after people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going after freedom. We're going after revival. We're going after our city. We're not going after a small group, getting a small group. But we're going after our city. We're going after Western New York. God wants to stretch your vision this morning. See, miracles, I'm sorry, motion, motion without miracles can turn into complacency. Don't go through the motions. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What if his dreams for us are bigger than we thought? Number two, the second V is vulnerability. Vulnerability. Ritual is not a bad thing, but it can be if it robs us of our vulnerability. See, they miss because the widows, like us, Because we misunderstand God's definition of motion, we're okay washing dead bodies. It says that her body was literally washed and placed upstairs, but later Peter helped her to her feet. See, God wanted to go inward with Tabitha. The widows were only thinking about the outward. See, if Peter doesn't come, they miss 
God's inward motion and they're left with commotion. Motion is not the same as commotion. Motion without revival can turn into commotion. See, we think planes and stages and microphones are the way. God thinks the sanctification of your soul is the way. In reality, it is the motion inward that is the most important. Just because you may not feel like you're in motion as much right now because of what's going on, doesn't mean God is not working revival. Nothing can get in the way of revival. It it might just be happening inside of you so that it can happen around you later on. I love this quote about leadership. It says, leadership starts by blazing a trail into your own heart. And Peter comes to show them that revival only happens in the space of transformation. I want to go a little bit later in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 19, 19 through 20. And this is further along in the journey of the early church. But revival is still breaking out. And it says in verse 18, Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. See, the confession of the early believers led to revival. I'm going to close with with this thought. What if we weren't designed to wash ourselves? What if our greatest ministry was hiding in our vulnerability? Revival thrives when humanity is vulnerable. See, we are all like the elderly women. We recognize that we are washing dead bodies every day. And we're okay. We're okay just smoothing it over. We found many ways to cover up our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, and avoid our problems. Somehow we think it's just okay to pretend. We go through our week doing the things that make us feel significant. We work. We pay the bills. We stay busy. We say hi to our neighbor, we serve at church, we take care of our kids. And the days fly by. Our life flies by. And suddenly, we realize that somewhere along the way, we lost track of the radical Christian faith that once mesmerized and captivated us. We forget that we were made for much more. We forget that this has never been about our efforts, our righteousness, our good deeds, our tidiness, our planning, our work, and it has always been about our faith in God to do more in our lives, to make our lives matter for something eternal, to somehow reach into his marvelous glory and participate in the greatest story the world will ever know. When we got saved, we had a moment of great weakness, great vulnerability before God and others. We surrendered everything We held nothing back. We tasted the freedom of being nothing so that he 
could be everything. We acknowledged our weakness and trusted in his strength and his strength alone. Our heart was overcome by the bliss of being free from our own striving, free from our own self-efforts, from proving ourselves, from covering up our secrets, free from shame, free to be humbly transformed and to transform the world. And what happened? Where did our freedom go? We got in motion and we let the ritual of motion rob us of our vulnerability, rob us of the greatest component that revival has, rob us of the space where revival thrives. What would it look like for us to stop washing ourselves, to stop washing our dead bodies, to come to the Lord vulnerably and say, God, I need your help. I have a problem. I'm human. <laughs> I'm weak. I, I, I have a sin. I don't know how to figure it out. I'm just small. I'm immortal. But God, you're big. <laughs> and with your help, I can be big. I can be free. I can change the world in my vulnerability. Are you tired of covering up, running, smoothing things over. We think our gifting, our efforts, and our talents will get us the platform. People don't need another good sermon. People need a God story, an anointing that can only come from real encounter with God. If we could just let ourselves become God's stories, He could do anything. So let's move away from the ritual that is robbing us and move into the space of revival that He has already made for us today. Amen? So Father, we, we commit this to you, God. We commit this word to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have reached down this morning to remind us, God, that we were made for more. Lord, would you just give us your wisdom as we reflect on our lives, as we reflect on our schedules, on our finances, on everything, Lord, and would you help us to view it through the lens of revival again and to say, am I just going through the motions or am I really going after what you have for me? Father, I thank you that your word says that we can come before you with our hearts and our conscience completely clear because it's been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and that our bodies have been washed already with your water. I thank you, Lord, that there is no shame. That weakness is just opportunity. Vulnerability is just opportunity for you to move in our lives and for us to change the world. God, we need your presence. We we need your voice every day. Will you wash us fresh this morning? Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.